Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer from Vancouver, Canada, with over two decades' experience serving individuals from all walks of life. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world in the field of art, music, activism, health, education, spirituality, and more to talk about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to A Voice for Love. This is Surya, and I'm so happy today to welcome my guest, Kayla Hill. Hello, Kayla. Welcome. So, Hi. Kayla, so <laughs> thank you so much for coming. I'm so happy to have, I was just saying, um, we were just chatting a little bit before this, and I was saying Kayla is my first guest that I don't actually um, really know personally. We were introduced by our mutual friend, Natrishka, who's also going to be a guest on here as well very soon. So Kayla, please tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Yeah, such a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Surya, for having me on. Um, and yeah, I love... I love love's voice. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I was drawn immediately. So, um, yes, my name is Kayla, Kayla Hill. And um, the way that I kind of describe my titles, I have four in this moment that I carry with me and humbly respect the gifts of. And uh, the first one being I am a love child. Um, I am a child that was born um, out of wedlock and in one, my conception took one night, one moment, one meeting. <laughs> that's all it takes. <laughs> and, and that's how I arrived um, embodied on this planet. Um, so I am a love child. I came in that way and I will remain in love. And I'm also a freedom doula. So um, I was a postpartum doula for about three years. Um, and then I moved my practice online when I moved to Costa Rica three years ago and um, decided to, to claim freedom for myself and for my clients that were going to continue to journey with me and be held by my doulaship. And the third is I'm a pleasure activist, so I'm deeply embedded and devoted to pleasure and pleasure as a, the great liberator, as a mixed race black woman, woman that we were just talking briefly before the episode um, about, I, I am deep in Adrian Marie Brown's work of pleasure activism. Um, and coined that title from that space and from that great work of hers um, as like a torchbearer to add to the abundance of pleasure seekers and people who are accessing and not denying themselves the, the full freedom and full range of their satiation and satisfaction in this lifetime. And so I help support clients in that arena. Pleasure is really a gateway drug to our freedom. So I dose it out. <laughs> I'm a pusher of pleasure. Um, I like then, that. I know. It's so great. And then the fourth, the fourth title is um, a really recent one in the last six months, um, working with my mentor and teacher, Sarah Durham Wilson who does a lot of made into mother journeying work. She's amazing. Um, I have come to know myself as a receptivity alchemist. So as um, a woman who has always had this capacity to receive, like I just, there's something about 
my innate gifts and magic and intelligence and essence that provides a deep, soft space to receive. Um, and so I've, I've stepped into that as well, um, fully and in acknowledgement of it. And as a, as a trans, transmutation or translation for transmutation and others um, to really cultivate environments and spaces where receptivity is heightened and we are turned on um, and we are available. Yeah, that's kind of a little bit about what I do. <laughs> I love that. I think I told you in a message, I was really drawn to the receptivity alchemist part. I was like, ooh, I love that because I'm always reflecting on my own capacity to receive mostly because my tendency is like to give and to do and to, and like spirits kind of often like knock, knock, like, will you just like stop for a second? So all the things that you're like putting into being can actually like land. So it's, it's, yeah. And I, I think a lot of us are like that because that's the way that our society is but not if you're living in Costa Rica which is probably why you <laughs> it's probably one of the reasons why you decided to peace out right yeah it's you know part of the trajectory in that moment was you know three years ago I went through one of the, the hardest breakups that I've ever gone through and so the heartbreak was super super palpable in that moment and and there was this need to um, yeah, retreat would be the right word. And I feel like I have definitely cultivated like a retreat style life in this moment. Things are shifting now. It's been three years and I've had a lot of time to be in this womb-like essence of Costa Rica, which is gorgeous and so sustainable and just mm, so nourishing and for a forever home for me. And it's like, it's growing. So my capacity is growing and, and my directions are expanding. And so there's going to be other areas that I dwell. I know this. I've seen it in vision. I've seen it in meditation now. And um, New York is one of them. New York City is, is definitely a home base for me, um, as well as Europe seems to be calling. Like Sweden, Copenhagen, like that kind of area is really calling. So um, I know that there's going to be multiple iterations, but this place of Costa Rica, yes, it's, it's so potent with this softness and this ability to really receive because everything here is really nourishing. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing about receptivity that is interesting and challenging is that when we remain open, we remain open to everything. So how to not become a sponge <laughs> to things that don't serve you, but to remain open is really the skill of receptivity. It's like there's this deep practice of discernment when we are receiving because you're going to receive all of it. Like does Kali, I'm, my birth name is, is a der derivation of hers. Um, so Kali, like she really, she doesn't leave anything behind when she devours <laughs> the whole entire world. She devours everything. She takes everything with her. And there's this transformative power, um, within that archetype of, of that goddess, um, of the dark goddess to regenerate and restore and, um, really this death and birth cycle that she brings about. And I think receptivity offers that when we take everything in we have this capacity then to like digest the things that are digestible and then maybe like I don't know like crap out the things or <laughs> not use the other things sweat out the things that don't work for us um, but that's the thing of, with staying open is that you you build a really thick skin and I think this was in one of your posts recently on Instagram too like please stay open please keep sharing I know it's tender um, but let's develop like a thicker skin. And that's, that's, that's the concept here. It's like, it's like, we don't want barriers. We don't want walls. We don't want barricades. We don't want to resist. What we want in receptivity is we want openness. We want fluidity, but we definitely want, like, I see it as like, um, a semi, like semi permeable. <laughs> So it's like there's things that come in and there's things that 
that you just say no to as they're coming towards you, right? So your yes and your no is like really critical. But I think that the essence of receptivity is one that like is going to hold paradox. It's going to hold the both and always. Otherwise, like if you're going to either or land <laughs> or bl black and white land, um, not going to be super receptive because things are going to have to take very specific forms for you to believe them to be true, for you then to receive them. Whereas if you're opening and expanding into receptivity, you're letting go of that control, that either or, like if this, then that, like, you know, one plus two equals three, like, you know, you're letting go of knowns and you're stepping into unknown space and you're saying, I'm available. I'm available to the mystery. I'm available to the unknown. I'm available to whatever comes my way. And so then building boundary, discernment, structure around that to support that type of being. I hope that made sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, 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 it makes, it does, it makes perfect sense. And it's true because we do, we do a lot of that. I love that you said the, um, like not the either or, and it's like the and, the both and. I, I've been saying like my word of 2020 is and because it's like everybody, so many people have gone into this. You can see this polarization that's happening on so many different fronts with people. And I'm like, nah, you're all like, you don't, none of you have it right because it's not an either or, it's an and. It's and, 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 and. Like there's so many things that are overlapping simultaneously that you can't even take one of them and say, this is it. It's like everything. And that's actually what life is like, which is exactly what you just described. It's never, and I think this is part of our evolution is for human beings to stop this either oring, to stop this, it's this way or that way. It's not. There's, there's many ways, there's many paths that we can take here and we need to learn to um, be on our path in our heart and committed to that. And then we can allow other people to walk their path too. Like it's actually quite simple, but we um, complicate it a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so funny because it's like simple and complex at the same time, right? It's simple and complex, right? So yeah. it's like, can we be with the simplicity and can we be with the complexity at the same time? Understanding that, you know, it, it, it is the and. It's like every, everything and everyone gets to be here. Everything and everyone belongs we belong to each other. We are interdependent to that belongingness that is dependent on us. <laughs> like we really need to start showing up for that. Um, and I think that 2020 definitely has asked many of us to do that in ways that we didn't even know were possible. And I think that this is where you know, like let's get creative. Let's start using our imaginations. Let's you know, really harness a way of co collaboration, a way of co-creation that, that, yeah, that's like, that says like, what if, like, what if it looks like this? Or what if we tried it like this? Or, you know, and I think the thing I like about pleasure practice is that it attunes your body to trying things out in like a fun way. Mm -hmm. So we start with pleasure <laughs> because it feels good. So it's like, well, what if you try this? Like, oh, try this thing that you like more often or try this thing or try this new flavor of ice cream or, you know, whatever this like these pink suede boots that you might have never bought, you know, a year ago. Well, try them on, you know, try them on for size. It's kind of this try it on for size and a why not kind of perception. Why not? Like, what if? Why not? Curiosity, right? Um, and then leading then that kind of, I call it trial and success. <laughs> instead of trial and error <laughs> so then also like trial and success right it's like okay you try things on did that work out no okay moving on like really failing forward fast um and trial and success like you know really just trying all the different flavors right I always say give me the buffet you know what I mean like I'm so here for the buffet yeah I want the buffet so. and the variety <laughs> I know it's it definitely like this is I think I mean even if you just sit and look around your space in this moment there's so much variety there's so much contrast like with I, I always tell my clients like without contrast 
without variety, there wouldn't be a world. Like we, there, it, there would be a blank screen. Like it would just be like a white blob <laughs> of nothingness, you know? And it's like with that contrast of light and shadow, we actually have a tactile three-dimensional space in which we are living and experiencing and, and having felt experience and sensation and actualization through. So like what a gift. And, you know, it's unlike um, children when they're kind of discovering their world, you know, they're touching things, they're smelling things, they're putting things in their mouth, they're tasting, right? They're, they're really navigating the space um, in a way that I think is just innate for all of us, right? All of us come from that childlike wonder. All of us have this innate inheritance of curiosity and creativity. And it gets stripped from us slowly and slowly through the system, <laughs> through the educational system, through um, the political systems, through the capitalist systems, um, through the patriarchal systems, um, and so on and so forth. And as that stripping occurs, and as we are molded and shaped by our social socialization, I think we forget a lot of these qualities that we used to trust and we used to know really kept us secure in this world. Pleasure is, for me, pleasure has been, accessing my pleasure has been undeniably the strongest, most secure remembering like being in my pleasure has really helped me remember i am safe i am whole i am secure where i am it's just such a, a mechanism for presencing and we innately have this already hardwired into our ways of being and into the ways that our nervous system functions and functions for optimal health really um, the release of oxytocin, serotonin, all of those things that are released when we're in pleasure states safeguards our cellular structure and solidifies health within the system of our actual physical bodies mm. and, and creates longevity and sustainability in our livelihood. You know, so it's just, it's, I think about returning, returning home. I think about remembering. I, I don't see this as like anything new. It's kind of like an ancient, ancient future that we're living into. <laughs> yeah. It is an ancient, well, it is an ancient future. It's, it is nothing new. It's actually our nature. And as you said, it's our nature that has been in many ways intentionally, <clears throat> excuse me, suppressed right? You know, our, our nature is, we have a certain, it is human nature and the systems on this planet have very actively sort of dismantled a lot of that human nature and put us into a form of conditioning. I was just having a conversation with my friend earlier about some stuff and she was saying some difficult conversations she's had recently. And I said, you know, we always have to remember that until people have had some sort of an awakening, they are still living in that type of conditioning. So their mind actually won't allow them to open to these concepts. It's kind of like what you were talking about being open to everything. Most people are actually like open to almost nothing. And it's because they're, or they're open to things in a very like, you know, structured kind of way, or it's that either or this way or that way kind of thing. Right. Yes, because the conditioning or the socialization would have us believe that that's where safety and security lies. But that type of safety and security is a shame-based model or a fear-based model or a scarcity-based model, however you want to put it. But it's a programming that's based on fear, shame, guilt, repression, and oppression, scarcity. And it's functioned well. Like, let's not deny that, right? Like, it's, it's done its job really well. Like what it set out to do, it's accomplished, right? So there's, there is trust in that. There is trust in that. And for, for logical reason, right? Like for very practical reason, there's trust in those systems. Um, and it saddens my heart. <laughs> it saddens this deep inner knowing that that is 
violent, <laughs> that, that that type of trust is, is addictive and toxic and manipulative and, um, and killing us slowly. It, it's like the walking dead, you know? It's like people who are not fully, fully, fully awakened and alive in their sensual, erotic nature. They've really suppressed, repressed, numbed out so easy been there been there was there for a long time mm -hmm. i was definitely a high functioning disassociated person for a long time um you know got a master's degree completely blacked out <laughs> got a master's degree in marine biology which was amazing but i was not in my body um for that <laughs> mm -hmm. um and i have very little memory actually like when i sit and i think about my my studies and my schooling and my 20s, I, it's very hard for me to recall much from that time. Um, but came out with a graduate level degree, you know what I mean? Like summa cum laude, like whatever. Um, so I think that there's so much um, disconnect. Um, and, and this is why we see things I think in 2020 have surfaced for us to really have clear vision, right? That 2020 vision has, has come and brought to light the truth of like where we are. And I think that that was a shock factor for, for, for many, maybe. Um, it was a shock factor. And for those of us who have been walking this path for a while now, it was just like, awesome now like so many more people are here and what i've seen in my work for example is just growth and increase um you know exponential increase in in clientele and people who are now really stepping into this understanding that self-actualization self-awareness is actually the most valuable thing you can invest in radical self-love most valuable thing you can invest in than the you know next super cool iPhone whatever <laughs> really those types these types of investments that are um, towards really cultivating an understanding of how do we maintain deep bonds with each other because I think something COVID also showed us was that you know isolation doesn't really bode well for humans <laughs> we need each other. And those of us who have, haven't cultivated strong bonds, strong community, um, strong connection and intimate space, um, really this year, we felt, wow, okay, maybe I need to change a little bit about how I am orchestrating, curating, and building my life. And maybe I need to like not spend $300 on a dress right now and I need to go find, you know, a freedom doula or a pleasure activist or whomever to, to support me and in, in holding me in like this space that I'm in of, of just awakened awareness, right? So I think that that's great. I think that there was a great awakening this year. Um, and, you know, there can be frustrations in the timeline as always, like it's, it's always like, no better time than now, and that's been forever, right? So there's been people who have been doing this work their lifetimes, lifetimes of this work. And so first time I could see how it was a little frustrating, like, oh, now you're choosing <laughs> to see all of these things. But really receive that, like receive the truth of, yeah, this is when it happened, and this is when it's happening, and, and now, now it's go time, now it's catch up time, now it's like whatever. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of truth was exposed this year. A, a lot, <laughs> absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's more to more to come. <laughs> and yeah, so much, yeah. so much more to come. So it's it's very interesting because I think you can really see the sort of divide of how some people are living and versus how so other people are. And for me this year, there's just been this big acceptance piece of, well, that's actually what they're meant to be doing. And yes. not everyone is meant to have this grand awakening in this lifetime or at this time. And they're just on their path doing what they're doing. And, you know, as long as I stay on purpose and I do what I'm meant to do, then that's sort of all, that's all that matters. But I, I love I, I feel like um, it's interesting because last night I was um, 
I came across something that I had written and I said, like, it's a great act of resistance to reclaim your own ability to, to feel pleasure and to be receptive and to all these things, because it really is. And I think, especially as women, even if it wasn't told to us directly, we have all of these programs running around like shame and receptivity. Like it's like that classic thing with women. It's like when women go out for lunch together, everybody fights over who's going to pay for their bill. You know, if it's a group of men, they're all like waiting for who's going to pay the bill. You know, <laughs> you know, my friends, we call it like give fights. Like when a bunch of women are together, they fight over who's going to cook. They fight over who's going to like not fight, but you know, cause we're like inherently these givers and we've been taught to give. And I know because I've been sort of practicing being receptive and a lot of these things for a while, but I see it especially a lot with a lot of my clients who are moms and they just don't know how to receive. They just don't know how to take time for themselves. They just don't like, it's not even in their programming and they will run themselves into the ground, literally taking care of their husbands and their children and everything and everyone else around them. And then feeling guilty about even doing the littlest thing for themselves, you know? So yeah. I think this work is very important because as we know, the side effect of not um, honoring that calling in yourself, it results in, you know, burnout and resentment is a big one. Like, and you know, a lot of women, be, they become resentment, they, they become resentful, but it's because ultimately they're not, you know, it starts with ourselves, right? We have to be the ones to honor that our time, honor our space, honor our temple, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Resentment. I mean, <laughs> oh, resentment. <laughs> resentment is just an indicator that there's some, there's, there's a place in your life that you, there's a boundary that you are not taking responsibility for and you're not upholding mm -hmm. for yourself. So you're not owning, you're not owning yeah. something. There's, there's something about a deep need um, that, or core value that you are not, you're not taking responsibility for. That's all that resentment is an indicator of. And so it is very important <laughs> for women because women are so powerful, like so inherently gifted. I mean, we birth life. We are the houses <laughs> in which life comes through onto this planet. Okay, so that positionality, that inheritance, and, and, and whether it's like a physical birthing, I don't care. Feminine form, let's just say feminine form and not even genderize it, right, to female, but feminine form is a creatrix is this birther. It's a birther energy. It's like this energy of, of bringing, being a channel. The feminine is like a channel that, that, is, that is open <laughs> for life to come through in whatever form that life might take. That life might take the form of a child. That life might take a for, the form of a business. That life might take form of a home. That life might take form of like a souffle, <laughs> you know, like whatever it is, but the creation of the materialization of our reality comes through the feminine channel. Women, women identified people hold the embodiment of that channel. So there is an embodied piece here, especially for women, women identified people to really take responsibility in like it's no one else's responsibility and so i think the maturation of the feminine is that where we stop grasping and seeking and we start remembering and listening and receiving uh, so. you, you nailed it. I love how you're so strong. <laughs> I love know how you're so strong in putting it back in the, on the responsibility of the individual because it, it absolutely is. And that same mentality that will run itself into the ground and go into resentment will probably find reasons to blame 
externally as to why they cannot, you know, take the time or space for themselves, but it absolutely is. Yes. And I love that you said that because when I, when I'm having like a day or something's not like, I literally remind myself that I birthed life that I, and I'm like, you gave birth so you can do anything. Like that's kind of one of my pep talks to myself. I'm like, you birthed a human being into this world. Like never forget that. And, and it was, I remember, you know, I'm more disconnected, not disconnected, but you know, it's not as fresh now because it's been four years, but I remember after giving birth feeling like, wow, that was an accomplishment. Like really like, and I hope every woman, you know, feels that way because it, it really is. Women are very much. And I think that, you know, the shift that we're undergoing right now is going to very much put a lot of, um, and what we need, what we need to shift the power and to make a lot of shifts in this world is a lot of more women in power and specifically women of color as well, because um, we have to look at like, it's the flip. I just keep seeing, I call it like the great flip. And I keep telling everybody, I'm like, wait for it. Like it's already happening. You can see it happening. And it's about, and it's going to flip to the opposite. It's been, we've seen a lot of white men in power for a while and we've seen what that's done. And I think we're all kind of done with that and I would really like to see a world that has a lot more women and BIPOC leaders that are you know leading because we need to have people in positions of power who are looking out for you know the greater good and it's those people who belong to groups that have been not treated as well that have been through more trauma and more stuff that when you go through things you that's how you develop the compassion that's how you develop the understanding so um, we were just chatting a little bit before we started the podcast here a bit about, I loved what you were explaining about your experience of being of mixed race. And I would love for you to just share a little bit more about that. That was really potent. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, people, marginalized people live on the margins. So if you think about the margins, they're the edges. And when you're living on the edges, you got to get creative because <laughs> no one's kind of like reinforcing anything for you. It's like anyone out here or like looking over the horizon, like um, I don't see anything because I because we've been so pushed um, to the outskirts. And so marginalized people and specifically queer black women, I'd say, let's just bring it to the epicenter. Um, queer black women really have already created worlds in which what most of us are craving is happening. So that they already exist. These iterations are these imaginatory landscapes of actualizing a better place for all of us exists in the black feminist movement. And this is where I love black feminism because it's for everyone. Like black feminism, like literally touches everyone. It's for everyone. Like it, it will heal everyone. It will free everyone. Like just dive into any sort of black feminist literature um, and, and oracle uh, tran transmutations that's come through. And, and you will, you will be reborn. <laughs> you will be reborn anew. And, and, you know, I think being mixed race, yes, very, very interesting to hold specifically being a black and white American United States of America mixed race person is like, you know, I'm really in my own system, in my own body, in my own individual expression. I'm holding two things that for so long in the history of the country of the United States were never meant to be together. And we're very, there's very much a, a, a project, a very large project and program to keep my existence from ever happening or forever being legitimate, right? And so the illegitimate child, right? Like there's this, this landscape of like polarization. I am a love child, but there's some people who see me as a bastard child, right? As an illegitimate child, especially because I'm mixed race. So it's just like add that, you know, out of wedlock and mixed race, like 
definitely illegitimate, <laughs> right? That could be one landscape, and that was a landscape for a very long time. And even in 1985, when I was born, it was very scandalous. You know, it was, it, was a, it was a very scandalous experience for my mother as a white woman to have a black child. And uh, many questions were asked of her. But the, the point, I guess, what I'm trying to say is that I think mixed-race people, including myself, I have this capacity to really hold polar polarity. Um, because I've been holding it inside my own system for so long. Um, I definitely have had various iterations. There was, there was definitely a time in my life where I um, approximated myself um, towards whiteness. And so I call it like my white woman. Um, and she's the one who spoke for me. She's the one who went through school for me. She's, she's the one who really was the one who was seen. For the till I was like I don't know thirty <laughs> till about five years ago, um, because accessing that piece of me put me in positions where I would I would be able to be received. I would be able to have access to wealth. I would have access to education. I would have access to things that I needed. Um. Five years ago, I started really cultivating a practice and remembering my black woman in ways that my white woman really like there was there was like an internal oppression going on between between them and and it was like almost like the the white woman in me wanted to protect her, but in that like protection that was actually oppression and that was actually very violent ways. And so as I've, as I've developed more the voice of my black woman, bringing her out, bringing her front and center, platforming her, centering her, being in my blackness, receiving my blackness, um, calling myself black, um, just owning, owning this piece of my inheritance, I have found such a strong backbone and such a strong spine that it's unwavering. Like the inheritance of my blackness has curated this ability for me to be like, okay, now what? Like I can love it all. Like test me, test me. Because <laughs> what the, the cells, the cells of that inheritance have gone through and passed through the lineage to me is just this aptitude and this strength and this resiliency and this will to live. I mean, if you're black and you're alive today, fuck, fuck, yes. Like that's all that needs to be happening. Like there's nothing else that you need to be doing. <laughs> like if you are alive and well and an embodied black person, like you are, you are a, like a living Everyone should listen to anything that you have to say, <laughs> um, period. <laughs> I, there's not, not much else. It's really simple if you actually um, think about inheritance. And I think that's true for every human being on this planet today for multiple different reasons. And so it's like we can look at, we can look at the inheritance and and the skillfulness of the biology, right? The evolution of our biology that got us here and really trust that intelligence, really start to sink into that intelligence and do some reparative soul work. So I think like the anti-racist work, you know, um, repairing these structures together, doing some reparative work is now being called upon. Because listen, biologically we're doing fine. Like the species is surviving. We're good. Right? We're good. <laughs> we're good. We got, we got enough. We're here. Now it's like this soul level practice of repair and being in right relationship to each other, being in loving relationship to each other, really honoring sovereignty and autonomy while in deep bonded connection, reestablishing the village. There's been a lot of trauma around the of the village. So reestablishing, repairing, 
restructuring, I don't even want to call it restructuring because we're kind of building from the bottom up here, so to speak, on a soul level. So this is all about kind of digging deeper now and going beyond the physical into a more spiritual evolution. Um, and I think that's been being called to us for a long time. My, my mom is a product of the 60s um, and she's an old hippie, old, old hippie witch um, who definitely laid a lot of that foundation in my upbringing um, and, and had a I mean, her generation really opened up a portal, I think, um, for us to, to activate this spiritual awakening. So, yeah. They absolutely did. I think about that all the time. The 60s was where a lot of this sort of started with the whole peace and love thing. And uh, it's very interesting. They did. And spiritually, I think about, you know, spiritually, there's been like definitely different waves of um, people on the planet, this, this awakening wave, you know, for me, it's like actually been, it's been about 20 years for me. because <laughs> uh, I say, And I, I didn't think about that until one of my mentors called me at the beginning of quarantine out of the blue. And I was like, wow, this is what's happening. She's like, oh yeah, we were like laying the grid work for this 20 years ago with this like energy work that I was doing with her. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess we were. And I know there's been like many waves, but it started, you know, there's been people who came long before us who have been yes yeah and there's going to be people who come long after us and I think as like ancestors in the making right like I call myself I'm an ancestor in the making like it is my duty to like really lay the ground and and like I feel like a groundbreaker like I'm constantly breaking ground to plant new seeds to lay things that I will never see come to fruition like there are seeds that are going to be planted that I plant in this lifetime that will not sprout while I'm alive in this physical form. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and that is our responsibility as well, I think, to safeguard the futures. And we are shaping futures in this moment. Um, great, great Audrey Lord, uh, a wonderful black feminist writer, you know, really speaks to the, the responsibility in, in our ancestry and as, um, you know, future shapers of the future it's like that's the liberatory movement like, yeah yeah oh it absolutely is and it's everyone again it's everyone's responsibility to go into their own um healing and their own ancestry and find what's there and i love what you shared about how you know embracing and receiving the, the gift of your blackness was so liberating for you and yeah. i think for it, it's so very interesting because a lot of other people might be resistant to looking into some of the things that their ancestors have done. And that's again, part of this great flip thing is that some of many of the people who have been having power, how do they get that power? Like at whose expense did that power come? And then what needs to be done now? What needs to be um, sort of rectified in order for there to be more balance? And like, who oh, really- yeah. yeah. Like sitting with, I mean, my grandfather, my mother's father um, was very racist and uh, did not speak to me because of my skin color. Wow. Uh, yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So wow. there's this, there's this interesting kind of like embodiment that happens when I know that like I'm connected to him in a lineage way. Like I, I'm connected to the inheritance of his cells, his DNA. And there's a transmission going on, something for his healing, for our healing, that the, that that genetic code landed in a black body, right? And I think that we kind of like there's this responsibility that we have beyond beyond race but for race if that makes sense like to really understand that it that it's really really complex and actually race is a social construct that we made up <laughs> so to dismantle it we have to there's like this admittance like there has to be this like admittance of like how have i colluded with this how have I said yes over and over and over and over again to these concepts that do not serve me, right? And we've all, all of us in some way have been embedded 
with, you know, patriarchy, with, with misogyny, with white supremacy, with, you know, toxic capitalist models of oppression. All of us have been embedded with these things. Like, I'm, I don't care if you're the Dalai Lama, like, <laughs> there's a structure that is so deep in our genetics and in our cells that we have to be willing to, to live with the contradictions that exists within us. We have to be willing to live with those contradictions harmoniously and in unconditional love. And so that internal work is just so critical to the success of that then being expressed externally. It's, it's, it's a core, core, core pillar of the liberation movement is this radical self-love. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a, um, Sonia Renee Taylor is on to that. Um, the body is not an apology. Everyone needs to read that book. Um, and pleasure activism, Adrian Brown, like these two gorgeous, amazing women are really leading so much of what I am like humbly, just like piecemealing together at this point in my trajectory, but blossoming into such a beautiful flower. Like I feel I'm in a full expansive space of really entering my mother uh, phase, like going from maiden to mother and from princess to queen. Like I really feel like I'm entering this space of like, it's time to speak, it's time to shine, it's time to be in the fullness of your expression. And so I'm just really like humbled um, and, and gracious um, and, and wanna, wanna just elicit a lot of serenity in, in the space of, of what I'm speaking to because there's so many four, four grandmothers <laughs> that came before me um, that laid this work out for me. And, um, I know that when I'm in my pleasure, they are in their pleasure. And, you know, when I dance here on the beach in Costa Rica, they are dancing right along with me. And I am so held, um, held by that lineage. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting that that's like when you start talking about dancing and I've been thinking about this a lot because I know, I don't know what your, you probably don't have restrictions there like we do, but like, so right now where I live, it is wild. Like technically we are not allowed to have anyone in our house that does not live at our house. Like this is just like, and then when you go out, if you do go to some places where they have live music and dancing, like the, what are, you know, I've only been out a handful of nights this year to places like that, but like they wouldn't let us dance because like there's no social distancing. And I'm like, this is really wild. And these are the pieces about some of the stuff that's going on that don't feel correct to me intuitively, but also, you know, if we flip it again, we can see that it's only pointing towards the absolute importance of movement, of speech, of singing like you know I'm a singer which is why I'm passionate about the voice but I'm also passionate about everyone finding their voice whether you're a singer or not like not everyone is meant to be a professional singer but everyone has something important to offer or we wouldn't be here you said something similar at the beginning like you know the divine doesn't make mistakes every single one of us is here for a purpose and we are made in the image of the divine and so the radical self-love piece is such a big part of that because as we delve into the shadows as we delve into the painful moments of our past as we delve into our ancestry and find all of these really you know human beings haven't exactly been good to one another all the time down here like we do some pretty awful things to one another and this is all living inside of our memory whether we realize it or not I actually have a few friends who you know similar to your story you can share a little bit uh, if, in a minute about your finding your some of your family but I have a couple friends who have just were adopted and or never knew their biological families and have just found their biological family in their 30s and 40s and they're just marveling at the similarities and all of the synchronicities between themselves and these people that they never met so it is uh it's it's so wild oh yeah I love it I love biology I mean I I have such a deep love and respect for the study of life that's why I studied it for so long. I mean, yeah, I was pretty checked out of my body, but I definitely was in love and love was definitely guiding me through that time. And it's so fascinating. It's so fascinating. Yeah, what's so cool. So I didn't grow up uh, knowing my father and I met him um, about 13 years ago now. 
And I, I found my brother first. I found my brother on Facebook. It was like a whole thing. I'm like, oh my God, should I message him? And then I did. He was like, I've been looking for you too. And it's, it was just really a really beautiful um, homecoming. Him and I are totally twin souls, twin flames. We were actually, you know, scandalously so in utero at the same time. My brother's four months older than I am. And so I always felt like I had, like, there was this person, like something like, and, and it's totally him. Like he's such a soul mate beyond like such a twin flame soulmate um, person in my life. And, and um, upon meeting him and his wife, um, I, you know, I've spent some time with them and I was actually sitting with his wife one day and I was doing kind of the same thing I'm doing now. Like I had my hands on my, on my chin and I was um, just kind of listening to her talk. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just, and I've done this, I've done this thing, like this gesture for a really long time. Like I've always kind of done it. I don't know. And she's like, oh my God, I can't, she's like, I can't handle this. I'm like, what? She's like, you're Roscoe. And that's my dad, Roscoe. She goes, you're Roscoe. Roscoe does the same thing. And I was like, huh, interesting. Like weird because like I didn't grow up with my father, so I wouldn't be mimicking something, not mimicking something that I was taught or saw growing up. My literal mimic is coming from something that is in my body that I'm not conscious of, (laughs) right? So then I'm curious, what else am I doing that is from like a great uncle Tony, you know, from the 16th century or whatever, like, you know, like whatever, like, you know, what else is coming through these channels of inheritance that I will never know mm-hmm. <laughs> because those people are long gone that I've inherited, right? And so I think it's just really critical for us. I think self-inquiry is just such a critical, critical space um, in the movement towards freedom and liberation. And it's the space that I've chosen to occupy in the movement um, as a facilitator, as a space holder, as a guide, as a support, um, because I can, and, and I know I can, and it's my practice. It's my daily practice to stay resourced and available and why I've curated and taken so many risks, so many risks financially, emotionally to be where I am in the world right now um, so that I can really be available, really be available for those who in some of their darkest moments need to be received in love and need to be honored and not abandoned. Um, so that we can have emotionally corrective experiencing, so that we can have spaces of trust, so that we can have the inheritance of our deep connection to each other be remembered again. And so, um, yeah, I'm all about intimacy um, and repair of that because I think that's what's going to get us through um, and so needed. And then there was something else I wanted to say before about you know, you said, I feel so powerful um, because I gave birth. And, and, and I think that that is so great and so amazing and, and miraculous and beautiful. And I want to invite also like the power of being born. So like all of us, regardless of like whether or not we give birth to a child, all of us were born. <laughs> which is huge. And I think the, the power in that, the power of your ability to really receive life in that moment of your birthing, um, no matter how you got here, it's like a miracle. And I think the statistic, I'm pretty sure the statistic I've heard, it's wild. It's like the, the likelihood of you being born is one in 400 trillion. Mm-hmm. And so all of us have already won the lottery. (laughs) All of us have already incarnated our power by being born, by being here, by being alive. So 
go utilize it, go cultivate it, go start to understand it, start to skillfully craft new experiences and new realms and, and ways of being with each other um, because we need you. I mean, come on, one in 400 trillion, you're needed. Like, that's not a miracle. I don't really know what is. So. It, it really is. It really, I was, I was very blessed to be at a few, several births before I gave birth myself and both even witnessing a birth. I was like, this is an absolute miracle. Like every person who comes into this world, like the, life is a miracle in itself. So yes, we are needed here and we are very much, um, especially those of us right now, that was sort of, you mentioned the post the other day. That was what that was about is I feel sort of called to continually remind people like us to share the word and to share the message because it's it's difficult for us sometimes because a lot of people who are like us we're a little bit more highly sensitive and we can kind of get in our heads and also we're a lot of us are talking about things that people don't always speak about you know part of the societal conditioning is not to speak about certain things it is to you know just kind of like sweep it under the rug or pretend that it didn't happen so part of the healing is to really bring a lot of this forward and to uh, speak about it and also for many of us is to to learn how to listen it depends on which side of the it's like you know when you spoke about like empowering blackness and whatever like now is the time for people lighter skinned people people with white privilege to listen to the experiences of other people because if if you don't listen there's no there, there's no healing there so that's a shift of power that needs to happen too is um letting others have have a turn like literally passing the mic and hearing that's how i understand what i understand because i listen to people and i've you know listened to many of my friends say the same things over and over again you know for, for years so I, I understand completely and yet what I see is that many other people are not even willing to listen they just like dismiss it right away like oh no no that's not right no 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 that's just this or that's that and that's a very um yeah yeah, yeah this is a big listening is such a big piece and Tara Brock talks a lot about this and a lot of her work and I don't know if you're familiar with her but she's an amazing um, practitioner um, and teacher and and you know she talks a lot about the healing power of listening and listen listening awareness and um, it's something that is in this workshop and I'm, I'm launching um, and I'm in the enrollment phase right now of this 10-week um, program called the 10 keys to receiving love and we go through the t one key per week. And one of the keys is listening. So um, listening is, is a huge uh, muscle that we need to be working way more <laughs> mm -hmm. than we are currently um, in our, in our um, reception skills, our abilities to receive. I've found a lot of healing specifically with my mother um, when I – simply listen to her and when I simply be in that space of fully receiving and not listening to respond not listening to have an answer literally just listening just listening that's it like you're just listening <laughs> like it's very simple but there's a lot of resistance to it because then there has to be um ownership of how we impact other people, which is another piece of the liberatory framework and transformative justice space um, where, you know, we're probably all really well-intentioned people, but intention doesn't always match impact. And a lot of times it actually doesn't. And for you to receive another person's perspective, another person's story of, of how you may have impacted them or how you know their connection to you is perceived is a is a maturation process because you can't you can't uh deny another person's reality right like it's in the denial of another person's reality that then there's this separation or this divide that starts to happen and so it's really about sitting and listening and receiving that person as they are in that moment fully. Um, this even comes down to dating. Like we can take it to another place where it's like when you go on like a first date with someone and maybe you've already made your like list of like check marks, right? Of like, okay, I want them to like really like travel and like 
you know, enjoy like rom-coms or like whatever. Like you have a list of this perfect person and you're on this first date with a person you've never met before <laughs> and you're literally not looking at them. You're looking at a perception of a possibility of them meeting those things that are already preconceived. That's not fair. <laughs> that's not, that's not reality. That's illusion. That's illusion. Yeah, that's not fair yet. That is what you, you actually just perfectly described what, um, that's really one of your gifts. You have a very wonderful way of eloquently like describing things like throughout this entire conversation, you have a beautiful, <laughs> so you have a beautiful gift in expressing that, but yeah, you just nailed it. And this is what the majority of people do all the time. They go into a situation, into a conversation with a preconceived idea and the, the blinders are already up there. So they literally can't even take in. So it's really, for me, it comes down to like detachment, which is a very spiritual principle, right? We have to literally, so it's this art of, we can be really strong in ourselves and strong in who we are, what we believe and be on path and be on purpose. And yet also be detached at the same time and open to receiving. Because if you're actually strong in something, the stronger that you get, it actually doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. Cause you just know, Hey, I'm on path. I'm on purpose. This is what I'm here to share. And I'm here to be, I'm going to be that. And in being that I can also allow you to be this. I might not agree with you. I might not, you know, I might not, I might completely disagree with you. Yeah. And I might not, uh, I might not want to hang out with you ever again, which yeah. is totally a choice I can make, <laughs> yeah. right? Without it being a drama, right? Yeah. Without it being a personal affront, it just being a choice. Of, of, I'm a free agent of my choice, right? So we can, we can cultivate discernment. We can cultivate boundary by remaining open. I think this is where people, that people get scared of staying open because they think, well, then I'm just going to let anyone in and anyone's going to, everyone's going to like do something to me. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is uh, autonomy and sovereignty within deep connection are possible. You see it in nature everywhere. Like the squirrel is not like, Hey, Blue Jay, why are you being a Blue Jay today and like doing Blue Jay things? Like you should be doing squirrel things because like they're so much better and like that would make me feel better about being a squirrel. You know, like why are you so rude being a Blue Jay? Like they're just so, like, no, it, it, they, they understand that like coherence, <laughs> coherence actually happens and actually facilitates um, resiliency, the more diverse an ecosystem is. So the more diverse an ecosystem is, the more resilient it is, you know, the, the more um, robust it is, it's, it, you know, bountiful it is, abundant it is. So, so the diversity is, is clearly an asset to us and we need to really be rigorous in our practice of being able to sit with difference, sit with contrast, sit with contradiction internally, externally, everywhere. Every day is a practice. You've got tons of opportunities to practice this. It's everywhere. Yeah, I love it. It's, I, I, I love that. And it's true. Nature is the perfect example of all of this because human beings are really the only species on the planet who don't live in harmony with everything else or know their place, what their place is. And humans <laughs> just try to like destroy everything or a certain type of human anyway, the type of human that's been kind of running the planet, so to speak there. But this is why yeah. we need the, the, the different types of humans to come in. The ones who are a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more understanding, a little bit much more thinking about about the, the bigger picture. So I, I could talk to you forever. I know. <laughs> I know. Okay. This is such a great <laughs> convo. I'm so, so happy. Uh, of course, I trust um, Natrishka and her recommendations, but I'm so grateful that we got a chance to speak. So can you please tell everyone where, where they can find you if they want to learn more about this wonderful work that you're doing? Of course. Yeah. So um, my website is inpleasurewetrust.com. So www.inpleasurewetrust.com. Um, and my Instagram is Kayla, K-A-L-A-H dot Hill, H-I-L-L, -L, um, super simple. And I put a lot of things on Instagram now. I've, I've recently come out of a shell, a social media thing, and I'm just like posting, posting, sharing, sharing, um, going live. So there's lots of content that will be on my Instagram as well. And then, you know, my, my workshops, pricing packages, um, in pleasurewetrust.com. Yeah. And oh, my workshop, the 10 keys to receiving love will be um, blasting off on January 11th. Um, 
together. Uh, that's a group workshop that's going to be super amazing. I'm really excited about it. And um, yeah, keep keep kind of checking in on that. And, and, and I'm going to have some free webinars and things um, that people can can listen in on for more information on that too. That all sounds amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out your website too. I'm really drawn to the I yeah the receptivity work feels so potent always. I think there's always a depth that we can go to because I think again the conditioning has always told us that you know the opposite. It's it's almost like we have to teach ourselves how to receive again. Yes, we have to practice. It's it's a devoted practice. Yeah, it is wonderful. Thank you so much, Kayla. You're so wonderful. I'm so grateful that we got a chance to speak. And um, yeah, everyone, please check out her work and her offerings. And this is Surya, a voice for love. And thank you again. Peace, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.